Maurice Martin has been through his fair share of trauma. From masking the private pain of his childhood to battling depression in his 20s. After becoming an award-winning vocalist and songwriter, Maurice hit rock bottom and it became clear that there was only one way out. Are you tired of being miserable and broken? Stay tuned to hear Maurice Martin's incredible story of healing and growth. Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Maurice Martin had to let go of what had been holding him back. Now that he's healed, Maurice is on a mission to equip and empower you to release your limiting beliefs and become the person you were born to be. Welcome, Maurice. Carol, thank you so much for bringing me on. I am just so excited about this conversation today, for sure. I'm the one that's excited, and I can't wait to hear your story. I have heard bits and pieces of it, and I'm looking forward to hearing what you're going to share with the audience today. So let's start with your childhood. Tell us that story. Sure, absolutely. You know, it's it's interesting because... I never know where to start the story of my childhood, but I sometimes start my childhood by be, by telling the story about college. I was a freshman in college at Kent State University, and I'm sitting in in a therapist's office. And I was I'll be honest, I was there because I'd been having some anger issues and some stress issues and some anxiety issues. And so this was now you know several sessions in, and the therapist says. You know, tell me more about your story of your life. Tell me more about your childhood. And I'm talking to her and she stops me and she says, I'm sorry, I just have to cut you off. But you continue to tell a story about things and you're saying using words like love and respect and discipline. She says, but I'm hearing stories of trauma hmm. and, and abuse. And she said, and I just I'm, I'm wondering what it will take for you to admit that your childhood was not okay. <laughs> you hear that? It's just like. Yes. Okay. So what a shock. Now, right. What a shock to me. I was like, did I say something wrong? Did I, what did I do to, to mislead you into thinking I've had a rough childhood? Right. And so, you know, I often say I, I grew up, um, you know, with with a, 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 my mother and my mother actually was remarried. Uh, I should say she married the first time to my stepfather when I was four. And so I didn't grow up with my biological father. And then my brother came along later. And during that time of my life, um, I thought that I just had strict but loving parents. Mm. 
And what I realized is that during some of those moments that were expressed to me as love, well, we only say this because we love you. I only do this because I love you. It's only this way because I love you and I'm willing to tell you the truth. That sometimes what I was experiencing was trauma, was abuse, was was verbal abuse. Um, I, I witnessed domestic violence in my home and just, just different things that I experienced over the years. Not that my parents didn't do everything they could, you know, to try to give me a good, a great childhood. But sometimes the things that we face in life harm us without purpose, meaning they didn't they weren't purpose to try to hurt me. They didn't mean to hurt me. They weren't trying to hurt me and scar me and wound me. And yet those things did happen. And so as I look back on my childhood, I see the foundation of a person who I think had to go through rough moments so he could give voice now in life to other people who need to know you can overcome what you've been through in your past. That's quite a statement. You know, I think everybody, and this is my particular worldview, that everybody comes here for a reason on earth. I don't know that everybody accomplishes it. <laughs> but, you know, we call that thing purpose, right? And I believe that I'm here because as I overcome my past, I can then help other people overcome theirs. Sometimes we're we're defined by the, the, the imperfections of life. It's the screw-ups. It's the things that we got wrong or the things that people told us we'd never get through. It's the painful moments, the embarrassing moments, right? Those things tend to be how we look at ourselves. Someone will say, Carol, you're, you're talented. You're great. You're gifted. You go, oh, well, you know. Some things I've done in my life you weren't there for, right? <laughs> we tend to exactly. to be hyper-focused on the negatives. And I think that it's it's when we mature and heal in life that we learn the hard moments and the things that you've been through actually can develop your character. They can build your perseverance. And ultimately, they can catapult you into purpose where your heart is more on display as you help people and you're more mindful of being everything you're meant to be one helping hand at a time. Well, you just put my whole life right there in those statements because mm -hmm. the exact same thing I can relate to, and I so appreciate what you said. Sharing your past helps others share theirs. I always encourage people, and that is precisely why this podcast was born, for others to share their story of hopelessness turned to hope. So I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. Tell us what, how you got into your music career and whatever you'd like to share about that. I'm really excited to hear that. <laughs> well, you know, I've often said that um, music really, uh, from the moment I was about 15 or 16, became my saving grace in many ways. Um, you know, I, I spoke a little bit about how, you know, there was a lot of unkind words that were spoken in my home. Well, the music really taught me how to, to, to bury those sounds, mm. the sound of what I would never do and what I'd never become and what I'd always screw up. The music gave me peace. It gave me meaning. It gave me love. I went to school and I studied music in college. And then um, after college, uh, I, I really threw myself into my music career. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, uh, the initial time that I went to undergraduate um, did not end well. I, I had some, some life tragedies take place um, personally. And I felt like the only thing I have right now in my life is music. And so in my 20s, I began to um, play in a band called Winslow, and we played all over uh, the U.S., and we had licensing deals with MTV and VH1 um, and the Discovery Networks, and were able to, to sign to a couple independent record labels. And so as I tell those types of stories, people kind of ooh and ah and think, <laughs> amazing, right? Well, the reality was during that time in my life, I was broken. I mean, I was a very bitter 
angry, frustrated human being. I was accomplishing things. I was standing in front of big audiences. I was moving forward in my career. I worked with you know Emmy winners and Grammy winners and Rock and Roll Hall of Famers. It's incredible the stories that I have. And yet I was checked out for a lot of it, meaning checked out emotionally, not really present, thinking about other things, feeling anxious, feeling overwhelmed. Um, and so by the time I got to uh, about age 29, age 30, my music had all but kind of fizzled out. My band kind of fell apart. And, you know, it was one of those things where I certainly could have kept going, right? And I, I could have, you know, tried to reinvent myself as a solo artist. And I, I put out a song and um, that was used by the ABC network in Cleveland. And, um, you know, it was the theme song of one of their TV shows. And I, and I ha still was having some success. And yet I felt like enough was enough. Like I was just at the end of my rope and I needed to find myself and find my way. So, you know, I, I wrap up the, the, that story about music by saying I thought music could replace everything in my life that was missing. I thought it could give my life meaning and give my life worth and give my life all those things. I thought music could confirm my life was worthwhile. And what I found was that there is no replacement for healing and growing and learning that you yourself are enough no matter what you're doing. It's not about the accomplishments. It's about looking at yourself in the mirror and seeing the worth and the value without doing anything else. And that was the really the greatest lesson I learned as I ended up kind of phasing out of that season of my life and into the next things. I'd like you to repeat that last part again. No replacement for? No replacement for looking in the mirror and seeing the value and the worth that is staring back at you. There is nothing more important than that. This, this podcast, I'm happy to be doing it. It doesn't define you. It doesn't define me. Because your meaning and your worth have already been established in mm -hmm. the world. Mm. We're just sharing it with right, other people. Right. right. And that was the lesson for me. What was the style of music? Sure. I was a, a soul singer. Um, I often say it was soul with some funk and a bit of rock, depending on the sound and depending on the song. And now, is it the same? Now, uh, the only music that I really make is more like prayer and meditation music. Um, and so I tend to sit down and, and sit with, you know, strengths, uh, excuse me, strings and pads and synthesizers and just create atmospheres now. So I do a lot of different things with music than I used to. Do you, how do you publish that? Uh, whenever I do, I, I release stuff on, on iTunes or on YouTube. Okay. So there's, okay. there's actually, uh, I have a series of pieces of music that I put out on YouTube last year, um, that I called uh, sleep music for the soul. And it's basically music that you can either rest to, or that you can pray to that just brings a sense of relaxation to you. Excellent. Wonderful. Thank you. Now, my next question is, we're going to switch gears here a little bit and talk about how what you have learned can help the audience. How do you say goodbye to what is weighing you down? Such a good question. As you can imagine, you know, I, I reached the end of that music career. And if you think about it, you know, I was defined by my music career, right? As you're making accomplishments, the only thing I knew about Maurice was he was a musician. <laughs> and I used to tell people that, Maurice, who are you? A musician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But outside of that, that's it. That's all I got. I, literally, that was my answer. And so at some point, I, I reached a breaking point where I feel like I completely broke. Um, alcohol picked up. 
um, other other bad habits picked up. And I found myself lost and alone and isolated. And I was burning bridges left and right. Friends were leaving, family members were leaving, and I was just alone. And I realized at that point that not only did I have to deal with that current situation and you know how my music career had ended, but it was bigger than that. It was time for me to face my past, face my childhood, face some of the things that I witnessed, some of the things that I experienced. And so as I began to heal, I had to ask myself a, a question that I think many people in your audience ask themselves. Is it really possible for me to get better? You know, I know some people can, but can I? Am I one of those right. people? And I often say the answer is a resounding yes. If you're willing to face what you've been fearing, if you're willing to stand and stare at what you've been running from. And over time, you will find the very healing you're looking for, but you have to face it and you have to go slow because nothing happens overnight. A success story. Can you give us one? Sure. Absolutely. I have so many success stories. I remember uh, I was uh, working at a facility as a counselor and there was a guy he had, he was in time number 15 or 16 and he's sitting in a room and he's talking and Usually his talking was very monotone and, you know, he kind of had a tinge of anger with everything he said. And he said, at the end of the day, I drink because I like to drink. I drink because I don't know what else to do. Hmm. I drink because it is what it is and it's never going to change. And I looked at him and I said, so when are you going to face it? And he said, face what? And I said, the reason you're angry. I said, there is so much pain in there. When will you face it? He said, it's not pain. I just like to drink. And I stared him in his eyes and I said, I'm looking in your eyes and I can see your soul. Right. And I can see in this moment, you are in pain. When will you face it? And he begins to tear up. And it was almost like he was allergic to his own tears. <laughs> like he had no idea what was happening to his face. Right. Okay. And he says, I, I don't, I don't even, I don't even do this, but I don't know how to face it. And uh. I said, well, the first thing we need to do is establish what is it? What is the pain? What is it that you're feeling? What is it? I remember um, I was in my office and he called me. He had reached six months of sobriety. Another set of tears was in his eyes that day. And he said, Maurice, he said, my life is not perfect. I'm still figuring out how to be the new version of me. <laughs> he said, but I need to say thank you that I can feel now. And thank you that I can at oh, least wow. face things. And I know I'm worth it. Talk about a success story. That's it. It's complete about face. Yes. That's it. Uh, do you have another one you'd like to share? Sure. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> my favorite success story is me, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and all I mean by that is that the reality is... I don't, I don't look like what I've been through. Um, 2016, I was 32 years old. That was, I, I call that my rock bottom year. Um, in the previous year that led up to that, I had lost a job I really cared about. And then I had two brothers pass away in a year. Um, oh my one, goodness. Yeah. And so it was just a, a year of, of a lot of grief and pain and just like fit, trying to, oh, life, what are you doing to me? Right. I, I remember that there, you, you talked about hopelessness earlier. There were these nights where I would just lay in bed and I would just say, I don't want to wake up anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. If there's any way I can just go to sleep and not wake up, that'd be great. And so 
my my transformation was fast and slow at the same time. You know, my rock bottom moment, the first one I had was before my second brother died. And uh, I was in a car feeling suicidal, driving down the highway, thinking about running my car off the road. And I'll never forget that I, I began to to pray. Um, but my prayer did see that sounded like really deep and spiritual. What I mean was I started cussing and swearing at the thing that I thought might be God. Right. Um, that mm-hmm. if you're mm-hmm. real, why is my life this way? Right. And I felt like I heard something that day for the first time, like I like like something that I was praying to heard me. And that sounds kooky and crazy when you say things like that out loud sometimes. But for me, it it ended my suicidal moment and my moment of rage. And it gave me hope for the first time really in my life. And after that moment. I began to pursue peace and pursued growth. I got into therapy. Um, I began to really go after spiritual health. Um, I began to read books. I just went after getting better. And it was one day at a time. I, I say I had a miracle moment, but the true miracle is that the moment didn't stop. Hmm, good point. Right. Some people are looking for a miracle moment. And one thing I often say, and I'll say this to everybody listening today, don't just wait for a miracle moment to happen because the miracle is that you still have another moment. That is the miracle. (laughs) Right. That's it. Well stated. So I think that for me, it was it's been I'm still a work in progress one day at a time, facing my past and embracing my, my moment, working towards my future. Uh, every every year I find something new that I still haven't healed from or that still is overwhelming me or that still brings me down time to time. And I, I, I see myself as a work in progress. But the beauty is that because I know that progress is possible, I can help a lot of other people at the same time. And that is your bottom line. That's it. Now, we're going to take a quick 15-second break. And when we come back, I want you to share with the audience your seven embrace strategies, the balance of hope. We'll be right back. Carol Graham would like to show you the path from misery to miraculous triumph in her fast-paced memoir, Battered Hope. She relates her determination to succeed as someone who experienced one horrendous nightmare after another. Gang raped and left for dead, loss of a child, husband falsely imprisoned, and cancer. Nothing could break her tenacity or faith. No matter what you face, heartache, loss, suffering, or injustice, Carol will illustrate how she became a victor the same way you can. The secret is to never ever give up hope. Order your copy at Amazon or batteredhope.blogspot.com. Welcome back, Maurice. And as I stated on the top, we would like to hear now about your seven embrace strategies, the balance of hope. Absolutely. So my seven strategies are really things that I've learned, um, not only from my own personal journey of healing, but also as I began to counsel people. And then I started life coaching and I've been speaking for years now. And so there's these principles that I learned on the way that have really been not only fundamentally changing for me, but for, for some others as well. And the first one is, is what I call the, uh, the, the principle of evaluating your story. It's important for us to all to know that we all have a story we believe about our lives. 
Now, I, I pointed that I said we believe about our lives because what you believe may or may not be all the way real and all the way true. Sometimes people have said things to us, done things to us, we've done things to ourselves or to others that can cloud our judgment and our understanding of our lives. And so when you really understand who you believe you are, what you believe you're here for, and what you believe is happening to in your life, you can start asking other questions like, which chapter am I, am I in? Maybe I'm not at the end of my story. Instead, what if I'm in the middle of my story and there's some chapters left? And no, there's some things didn't go well in the last couple <laughs> chapters, but it can get better, right? It can improve. So the first principle is evaluate your story. The second one is called the marathon mindset. And it simply says, in this world where everybody's chasing after miracle moments that are microwavable, right? I just want to just just spin around and, 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 and click my heels two times and say there's no place like home and I want to be better. The reality is that, that that type of a mindset will often leave you lacking and broken, right? We've all been there. We tell ourselves, I'm over that. I'm past that. I'm not worried about that anymore. The reality is what we've learned how to do is to stuff our problems and not deal with them. We're trying to race to solutions and race to get over things. And really, we never really get over them. And anything that you don't get over eventually gets over on you. Right? Mm, that's quite the statement. Isn't it? Things that you don't get a grasp on in your life will keep a grasp on you. And so the mentality is let's face our problems one day at a time over time. This is a marathon, not a sprint. I need to get to the finish line, but I need to be better when I get to the finish line. I need to know that I don't this. I know this is a TikTok culture an Instagram culture. Make me laugh and make me happy in 30 seconds. But real transformation takes years, takes months, takes decades. Right. And so it's just embracing that this is going to take a while, but it's worth it. The third of my principles is called the balance of hope. And it's a simple one, and yet it's complex. It says, hope exists now. Sometimes people say, someday, if I can just accomplish this thing, if I can just make things thing happen, then my life will transform. You've been there. I've been there, right? Well, the problem with that is I call it the hope disease, right? You never really get fulfilled, and it, it keeps you diseased. You You find yourself saying, well, I got what I wanted. Now what's next? <laughs> now I got exactly. what I wanted. Yeah. I still need more. I, I gave my story, right? I, I, I heard my, my music on the radio. I got a chance to open for big artists. I played in front of 10,000 people. I, you know, I, I got a chance to make music, I believe. I, but nothing was ever enough because the finish line is always moving, always changing. The balance of hope says, I need to embrace the fact that hope exists now. Not in the future, not in this magical, mythical moment when everything will change, but that real change is happening now. Real miracles are happening now. Real growth is happening now. In this conversation, right, if we're, if we're open to it, and you and I have got to a place in our own journeys, we're open, right? I, I have a feeling when you get on an interview, you think to yourself, I can get something out of this today. I can evolve or learn today. It's the hope that this moment is enough. And if you stack enough of now moments together, 
that have hope and faith and growth in them. You'll find you wake up one morning and you're everything that you always dreamed and prayed of being. But it didn't happen in a magical moment. It happened one day at a time. That's the balance of hope. Um, the, The fourth principle is called the realist you. And the realist you says, we've all been through trauma, drama, and pain in our lives. We've been through tragedies. We've been through heartbreaks. And anything that you have not healed from in your life begins to bury the real you. So now when people meet me, they meet my trauma responses. They meet my, my barriers that I've put up around myself to protect myself. They've, they've met my coping skills. But when you, when you sit down and ask most adults, who are you? They go, huh, heck if I know. <laughs> and so that means you're going to have to figure out who are you? Who is that person that was put on this earth to do great things? Do you know you? Does your family know you? Do your friends know you? Do uh-huh. your employees know you, right? And so the realist you says, you're worth getting to know, but you're going to have to remove some layers of what it is that has happened to you and grow through that so that the real you can emerge. That's the realist you. The next the next one, and I, I hope nobody's overwhelmed by these, but to <laughs> me, these are these are such powerful, uh, yes, such powerful yes. tools, right? The next one is simple. Some people won't like it. It's the easiest one. Action. <laughs> Action. You cannot just say you want to get better. You must move in the direction right. of the things right. you say you want. Easy enough. It takes action. The next one is courage in the face of fear. People often want to say, I I see people wearing t-shirts and I'm fearless. I'm fearless. I'm fearless. Uh There is no such thing as fearless. Okay. Every person has to interact with fear at some point in their life. And so the reality is I must find courage in the face of fear. I must feel fear and move anyway. And, 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 and grow anyway and evolve anyway. Yeah, I'm scared. But this some, some fear is good for you. You're supposed to be scared uh-huh. sometimes. And yet, I will not let the face, the fear, excuse me, I will not let the fear define me. Right. That's it. So that's courage. And my final principle, principle number seven, is everything you need, you have. Oh, I the, can attest to that. Right? Uh-huh. That, that again, today... You are who you are and you have who is in your life in your life. You have whatever resources are available today. And if you understand that that we must learn how to look at our life as though we already have abundance. Sometimes we look at our lives and we just look at the lack. Oh, I don't have this yet. And I wish more people were around for that. And I wish I had these numbers and I wish I had these accomplishments and we're wishing away the moment. But the reality is you're all you already have greatness in you. You already have beauty in you. You already have gifts, what I like to call superpowers. You already got superpowers on the inside of you. And if only you would see that everything you're meant to be today is already there, you would stop looking at yourself as though you're not good enough. And you would start saying, how do I leverage how good I am to make an impact today? And that's my seven principles. Very well stated. I really appreciate that. And I'm trust. Well, we will have that on the web page as well. Of course, you have been an inspiration and you certainly have been a motivator. So let us continue now and talk about your book. Now, when I read the title, I 
did a um, what do they call it when you when you catch yourself and you go back? Whatever that word is. <laughs> I, I would have said catch myself and go back. Okay, so there you go. That's what I did. <laughs> so I looked at it again. There you go. And when the title is Your Butt is Too Big, Say Goodbye to Dead Weight. And I thought, butt is spelled differently than the way you see it the first time you read it. Mm-hmm. So now I want you to tell us about your book. Sure. So I, I already really hinted at it because all those seven principles are in the book. So the concept is we, we find ourselves saying, well, you know, Carol, I, I would have already been working in that direction, but you got to understand. Well, well, Carol, I would have been healing by, by now, but if you if you only had seen what I've been through mm-hmm. and we find ourselves saying saying, but instead of pursuing what we say we want before that, but right. And what we need to learn is think about food for a second. This is an easy analogy. Whatever I eat, whatever I consume in my life, uh, my body then has to process. Now, once my body begins to process that food, it's supposed to give me energy. It's supposed to do great things for me. But sometimes I consume things that are harmful for me. And instead of my body consuming those things and then passing them through, it becomes dead weight that sticks to me. It weighs me down. It can affect my heart. It can affect the way that I move and the way that I interact and live. And life events work in the same way. What you've been through in your life that you have not healed from or grown mm-hmm. through becomes mm-hmm. the dead weight that you carry with your life into, into your journey. And now I find that because I was hurt when I was 10, because I was heartbroken when I was five, because someone left me and lied to me when I was 21, now I fail to have the courage and I say, I want to mm-hmm. do these things, mm-hmm. but I want to live, but. And so the concept is your butt is too big. And so now what you need to do is heal so you can stop looking backwards at the big things that haven't healed and start looking towards destiny. What an impactful statement. And I encourage everyone who is listening today to get a copy of your book. I think it appeals to everyone listening. I don't... Isn't that true? It, it's for everybody. There's not a distinct audience that this is for. This yeah, is that's, for everybody. I kind of think the same thing, but mm-hmm. I'm probably biased, right? Um, a little bit. You know, now one one thing I will say, you know, there's a lot of scriptures in it. And so there may be some people who are who are listening today who maybe don't want to don't want to see scriptures within the reading. But one, I always think about one thing one of my friends said to me. Um, he did not think he had that much trauma or that much pain in his past. OK. And so his words were, I bought your book because I wanted to be a good friend. And he, he called me on the phone and he said, and I quote, I thought I was going to begin reading your book but your book started reading me. <laughs> I love it. Oh right? my goodness. And that has been the what the experience I've I've heard from so many people is that I'm very transparent and real in my book. I don't try to sound like a subject matter expert. Mm-hmm. I try to sound like a human being living life, having revelation moments and sharing the revelation that I've had. And so there's something very relatable in that if you're a human, you've gone through some things that you may not have dealt with. And and when you when you're willing to acknowledge that, then you'll have to work on it and fix it and get over it. And so um, I think that that's a story that's for everybody. I think that teenagers can benefit from that and 30 somethings and 60 somethings and 70 somethings and black, white, green, yellow, purple. We all have been through life and we all want to get to the other side of it. I've never met a purple person. 
I have. Uh, I don't know. Um, I've I, I've I've had some white friends who, you know, when 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 they get sunburned, you know what I mean? It's like pinkish, okay. purplish, reddish. You know what I mean? Or if, I they, or if they're drinking too, if they're drinking too much, they'll get that purple nose, right? That That's it. That's it. Purple lips. I've seen purple lips. So I don't know. Okay. All right. Now you made a statement that I would like to read, and I then I would like you to expound on that before we close, and that is this: faith was at the center of my healing. Faith gave me the courage to face my past and a renewed perspective to show me my real identity. Mm. I learned that my trauma didn't have to continue to define me and leave me empty. Faith, paired with healthy habits, continues to mature and healthily grow me. I was wondering where that came from and who said it. Uh, <laughs> here's, here's reality for me. Um, I think about my life and I think how hopeless I was, how broken I was. And what I thought was, I am broken. My brokenness was an identity, right? I wore it like a badge of honor. Well, you just have to know that I'm a broken individual, that I am depressed, that I am anxious, and I'm probably going to be this way for the rest of my life. Those I am statements were overwhelming because all of the things that were negative that I'd been through or experienced were defining me. Faith taught me, Maurice, did you ever consider the fact that something greater than you had something greater for you in mind? I'm going to say that again. Did you ever consider the thought that something greater than you had something greater for you in mind? And what if you healed from what you've been through, you grew, you matured, you, 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 you were able to take some of the, the open wounds and turn them to scars, reminders of what you've been through, but no longer bleeding out on, on the world? What would happen? And I was able to learn one faith-filled step at a time that there's a whole bunch of other people who are where I've been. And I have, I've learned that I, I can put things into words that other people have been searching for the words for. Right. Right? That's the gift. I think that's the greatest gift I have. That I say something and people go, oh my God, that's what I've been feeling. You know, and I, I promise you, and this is the last thing I'll say about that. I remember um, there's a there's a company called the Christian Authors Network and they're they're booking my uh, my podcast tour. And I remember Coach Tam, she says, Maurice, um, in your bio, we need to talk about your trauma. And I said, no, we don't. Let's just talk about everything great that I've accomplished. <laughs> and she exactly. said, Maurice, that's not the journey you're on. The journey is you have to tell people right up front, you've been through some things. And and so when I get on to these interviews and I pour my heart out, it is scary. It's frightening. But I'm learning that that I went through things for more than me. That's right. Right. And that is the greatest lesson that I learned. And for everybody's listening, you went through some of the things you went through for more than you. And as you grow, other people will benefit from your healing. That's a perfect summary. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Maurice, for being on Never Ever Give Up Hope. You certainly have been an inspiration to me. I've taken notes. They're all over the place. And I know that you have been an inspiration to the audience. So audience, please, after you hear this, get connected with Maurice. 
buy his book, share it with others, listen to this more than once because there is a lot of meat in this broadcast and I really sincerely appreciate what you shared from your heart today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I truly appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.